This episode was made possible by our incredible patrons. Their faithful support allows us to continue the work of amplifying the voices of spiritual abuse survivors. We are a small team composed of two families. We committed early on to not monetizing any of the stories, so we rely solely on the donations of our Patreon community to operate. If you value the work and are able to contribute, you can join for as little as $5 a month. Another way to support Bodies Behind the Bus is by following, rating, and reviewing the podcast. It only takes a moment, but has a tremendous impact on our reach. Thank you for daring to listen. Today, we are honored to bring you Ashley and Ray's story. They were connected to a small Acts 29 church in Ontario, California, when searching for a place for Ray to intern as a requirement for his seminary degree. At first, the church felt welcoming. Ray would go on to lead a gospel community, and Ashley helped with some community outreach. But pretty quickly, they began to see that boundaries would not be tolerated or honored by church leadership. They would be pitted against each other, and their new marriage would be put to the test by their pastor. But could their leaders truly mean to be so harmful? And what would they do about Ray's internship? I'm Jonna Harris, and this is the Bodies Behind the Bus podcast. I am all about blessed subtraction. There, there is a pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus. <laughs> and by God's grace, it'll be a mountain by the time we're done. You either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. But the bus ain't going to stop. You either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. But the bus ain't going to stop. So Ashley and Ray, thank you both for joining Bodies Behind the Bus today and being willing to share your story. Uh, We are excited to talk to both of you. And as we talked in the intro, this was an Acts 29 church in Los Angeles, more in the east part of Los Angeles, closer to the Inland Empire. Both of you had leadership positions at the church. And I want to start the conversation, Ashley and Ray, with the membership interview. What in the world is a membership interview? I'll start because I was the first one. So it was after you went through, I think it was about five different classes. And these classes lasted for about an hour and a half where you ate food and then just talked theology. And like I said, it was about it was about four or five of these classes. And then the ending point was you were supposed to have about a 20 minute meeting with two of the elders and they did not want you to be with your spouse. So Ashley and I had to do separate ones. We were in the we were in the same coffee shop, but I went first and it was just, do you have any concerns about the church? And then also share the gospel. And they wanted you to tell them what the gospel was, how you saw the gospel. Yeah, it and, felt a lot like a test. Yes, it really did. Yeah. <laughs> and so mine went first. And then their last question was, is there anything that we need to know about you that could help us pastor you better? So mine was pretty easy. And then Ashley went if she wants to pick up from there. So for my 
interview, um, I was already really nervous because it felt like a test that I was going to pass or fail, you know. I mean, we'd already had some, like, weird things happen with the the second dairy pastor. So I was just really intimidated to be one-on-one with these two guys, even though it was in a public space. So I asked Ray to come and sit with me. And when they asked me uh, about what is something that we need to know to be a better pastor for you, I talked about just like my history of trauma and some things that were really triggering for me. And I talked about how if they use particular words or referred to certain situations or things, then that was going to be really triggering for me. And so just so that they would know, it wasn't like, hey, you can never talk about this, but just so you know, when I'm hearing something that's talking about abuse or sexual abuse, then it's going to be hard for me. They immediately, the secondary pastor immediately started talking about how abusers are human beings and we just need to forgive them and understand um, that they're God's children too and used all of the words that I had just told him were triggering for me. There was just, it was immediately like forgiveness is the way for these people and we need to treat them with compassion and grace if they're abusers. And so I was just kind of like startled and didn't expect that response. And the lead pastor didn't really say anything about it. And so like I knew that I already didn't really feel comfortable with this person, but then I just was like incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, like you you laid down like a boundary and they immediately were like, nah, yeah. we're going to go ahead and just not care about your boundaries It's at like all. they didn't even hear what I said and just was like, it was irrelevant. What I said was irrelevant and what they said was the law. And it really felt more like they knew what was best for Ashley. And so I'm. we're going to say this because even though she has this boundary, we know that this boundary is useless and, and us saying this is better for her. Or almost like it was sinful to have that boundary of like, this is hard for me because I wasn't showing grace to abusers, you know? Oh, gosh. So what do you say? Did you just sit there like dumbstruck or were you like, all right, anyways, yeah, moving on. We pretty much were just like, uh, (laughs) I don't think either one of us said anything. And then the conversation changed and then we left. Like it was just immediately an end to the whole ordeal. So in that moment, were you guys like, maybe we shouldn't do this? Or what were you thinking leaving that meeting? For me, it was just what I had already been thinking, which was that I didn't trust the secondary pastor and I didn't feel safe with him. Mm -hmm. And I knew that he didn't respect me as a person or really have a lot of respect for women in general. I just kind of brushed it off because I was like, well, it's just him. It's just him that we just don't vibe and the lead pastor's different and it's fine that it's just him. Yeah. And I told Ashley at that point, you know, he's he's not the main spiritual leader for our family. Like he hasn't even done anything for us. So this lead pastor, Pastor B, let's just focus on him. And I usually got to church early on Sundays to help set up. So I told Ashley, if I know he's gonna be preaching this other pastor, I'll text you. Just stay home and I'll make up mm-hmm. an excuse if anybody asks, which I knew no one would, because no one really paid attention to anybody. 
but you just stay home and that way we don't even have to worry about him saying anything. Yeah. And did you guys feel pretty locked in because of seminary? Would you say, was the role interning? What was the role considered? At that point, I wasn't interning, but it felt like it should be because I I just didn't have the title. We came to this church and before we before we moved from Kansas City, we were messaging Pastor B and his wife and told him I was going to seminary. My whole goal was to become a pastor and a church planter. And he said, we would love to help you in that journey. So it was definitely, I mean, at this point, we had been there for nine months or so. And so mm-hmm. the understanding was, yes, this is the direction we were going. And then also going to a Southern Baptist seminary, I had to go to a Southern Baptist church and in order to get the cheaper rate so felt locked in that way but then also and we might talk about this later but also being told that there was no other gospel preaching churches in the area just constantly we felt locked in because Mm -hmm. we wanted to go to a gospel preaching church and we really believed them we believed that there was no other healthy good churches in the city because they would flat out tell us that but If you brought up a church, they would have one or two or three reasons why that church wasn't a good church. They knew all the churches and what was wrong with them. Maybe it was a fog machine during the music time. Small (laughs) little things like that. And I think it's appropriate to say at this time, that associate pastor, he did not—he was not trained in seminary, correct? Yeah, actually, neither one of the pastors were. So Pastor B, he had an undergraduate degree in, I think, business or something like that. And yeah, pastor, the other pastor, he had a high school diploma and no theological training outside of just reading a couple yeah. books. And articles. He loved to read articles. The Gospel Coalition, yeah. I think, was his main one. So you get the stamp of approval, your members, congratulations. And Ashley, you began, I want to jump into next when Ashley, you begin to see some posts on Facebook that are concerning. What were those? Walk us through that. I worked in uh, like a social services capacity and my major in college was social work. So I had a lot of education in like the humanities and I started seeing posts from other members, but then other leaders and then even the associate pastor about um, particularly the LGBT community just derogatory language, comparing it to bestiality, and then also about women and how women shouldn't work outside the home and homeschooling was the only way to protect your kids and just a lot of really incorrect things. So I, in particular, was concerned with the derogatory and hateful language towards the LGBT community. So given my education and background, I offered to teach like an informational class about appropriate language and what all the terminology meant, like defining these things that they clearly did not understand so that they could have like the tools and the resources to treat people with dignity and respect, you know, and it was explosive. It it was so bad, (laughs) the response. Let me, let me just jump in here real quick. This happened when she said this, that she would love to teach this class. It was at the very end of that membership meeting. So it was right after the associate pastor said all these hurtful things. We stood up and was leaving and Ashley was like, hey, 
I would like to do this. And that wasn't the only class I offered to teach either. I was also like, we could talk about um, like foster care and adoption resources and ways to support that community. We could talk about um, like homelessness ministry and education. You know, we could talk about LGBT outreach and education and terminology. And, and it was like in a line of other things. At that point, they didn't say anything except, okay. And then we just left. So awkward. And honestly, hearing that in that um, order makes me be, be like, okay, so you're like, all right, there's clearly in that membership meeting, you're like, clearly there's some education that needs to happen here because I just gave you a boundary, mm-hmm. just told you how these words could affect a uh, abuse victim. You just completely did the opposite of what someone that's informed, educated does right. in this scenario. <laughs> so because this is my gifting, this is what I've gone to school for, this is my education, let me come alongside of you. Would you be open to me teaching and helping like educate this space? Am I reading that correctly? Yeah. Like, I really, my desire yes. really was to like serve the community and, and help yeah. Rancho Cucamonga where we lived. Which is what a church should do, right? You should take your skills and talents and try to serve the community, your community. And I I would like to point out something, if that's okay. So one of the embarrassments for Ashley and I, and one of the things we look back on is there were a lot of red flags that we should have seen. And I know we're not the only people that say this, but even before we Mm -hmm. went to the church, we tried to do our due diligence of researching the church before we even moved to California. We listened to sermons Whenever we started to listen to sermons, they were going through the Song of Solomon. And we listened to probably two or three sermons. Is that right, Ashley? hmm Yeah. And during those two or three sermons, each one of them, they made a joke about the LGBT community. And we thought to ourselves, surely they just need a little bit of teaching, and this isn't who they are. And so we just brushed it aside. And I remember... I don't remember which one of us said it, but one of us said, let's just stop listening to the sermons because this isn't a good sermon series. And surely this isn't who they are as a group. And we loved our Kansas City church, which was an Acts 29 church. So we just assumed they'll be fine. They'll be fine. It's just a bad mm-hmm. sermon series. Yeah, that church still is a 2-9 and to the best of our knowledge is still relatively healthy. So it was really hard for us to understand um, but in yeah. in response to what Ray said about there were so many red flags, I do want to say, um, because I know that the people that listen are people that have also been abused by their churches or um, and maybe they're not they feel guilty for not recognizing the red flags or they're not ready to speak up yet. But it is so important to me to state that it is not a churchgoer's job to look for red flags in their church. It's the church's job to not have red flags. Yes, amen. The church is responsible for not being abusive. We're not supposed to go into every situation looking for like signs that it might be unhealthy. It's the church's job Mm. to be healthy and to work towards being healthy. So yeah, we didn't see all these red flags, but it's because they shouldn't have existed. It's also the church's job when they have someone like yourself, Ashley, suggest, hey, I have an education in something. Here's what I specialize in. I'm seeing some concerning things I'd like to help. It's also a church's job, especially church leadership, to be have a place and a heart, soft heart enough to receive that and to understand your perspective and then respond appropriately, not just be like, 
okay. And then later they tell you, I don't remember what they told you, but it was really bad. Um, I think it had something to do with repentance. So, <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but anyways, I, I just think like, <laughs> yeah, I, I would love, like, I think that's what church leadership do. Because they're not like these guys, and, and if there's women too out there, pastors, they're not perfect, right? Uh, and no one expects them to be, but we do expect them to have a heart that listens and hears and, and realizes their own blind spots or shadow sides. That seems to be not happening anywhere. <laughs> I shouldn't say anywhere, yep. but not in this story for sure. So, okay. So what happened next, Ashley? Where did this uh, request for, not even a request, but offering of your services go? Where did it go? Well, I received a Facebook message, I think it was later that night, so not even, you know, a full 24 hours later about, you know, what was I thinking? How could I, what did I even mean offering to teach classes about the LGBT community? Um, and I need the associate pastor. Who was this from? I needed to clarify it was inappropriate and... He said that he needed to protect the flock from wolves and that we should not be normalizing sin. Was was he calling you a wolf? I mean, it kind of felt that way. He didn't say the words, you are a wolf, but it, it sure felt like it. And later on, they did use the, the words uh, wolves to refer to our family. So it wasn't, you know, unheard of for them to do that. Did you respond to that? How do you respond to that? <laughs> I did respond. I said that I just felt like if we were going to minister to and love the LGBT community, that we needed to be speaking with compassion and grace and love and not, yeah, not condemning and not speaking um, with derogatory language towards anyone. And it just kind of went in circles. So eventually Ray was like, all right, I'm going to take care of this. Because he, I mean, he just did not have any respect for women. It was he was completely uninterested in anything I had to say, always. Okay, Ray, did you get involved right at that moment? So Ashley was showing me these messages, and I think she had one or two back and forth. It wasn't a lot with with this associate pastor. So at that point, I think I messaged him and was like, hey, please don't message my wife anymore. This isn't doing well. And yeah, let's just put a stop to it. If you need to say anything, you can say it to me, and we'll we'll handle it. And in person. At that, in person. And at that point, so I was I was pretty upset about him messaging her, but I was also really upset at the things he said to her during that membership meeting because it wasn't okay. So I knew I was going to meet with him. And I, I know what the Bible says about meeting with your brother and everything, uh, but I also knew he was in a point of leadership. And I didn't feel comfortable meeting with him one on one because he is he already showed the fact that he can't he wasn't able to listen very well. So I asked Pastor B, because at this point I thought him and I had a great relationship. I told him what was going on and I had a one on one meeting with him and and asked him if he would go with me to talk to the the associate pastor that I would do all the talking. I didn't need him to do it for me but just to have somebody there who could facilitate the meeting. And he was quickly like, yeah, I think that's great. It's great that we could work this out, but Ashley. And he went into how Ashley was being wrong. 
he, she had a lot of things on Facebook that he was very concerned about. He didn't tell me what any of these things are, but it was very much undertone. I need to get my wife under control and I need to make sure that she doesn't post anything bad on Facebook uh, because it could injure people. Again, one of the embarrassments for me is I didn't stand up for her at that moment. I was just like, oh, okay, I'll I'll keep an eye out for it. I, I think I went home and told you. Did I tell you that he said that, Ashley, or did I just kind of sweep it under the rug? No, you, you kept a lot of stuff to yourself back then. Yeah. So I, I hit it because I wanted to play both sides, I think. Again, not not my best not my best moment this these months in the church. At that point, it was, it was probably just a few days later, we were having a men's breakfast, and before it started, the Pastor B and the associate pastor and I, we, we sat down at a different table to talk about it. I told him about what he said during that meeting that was hurtful and how I can't agree with him. He just had a big smile on his face the whole time, did a lot of shaking his head, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did apologize. I told him to not contact her again, even though I told him that already on Facebook. I, I told him again in person, don't contact her. It's not going to go anywhere. This isn't a good thing to do. He said, okay, I won't do that. That was it. And looking back, he never apologized to Ashley. It was very much understood by him apologizing to me. That's taking care of the woman. Like, like she's okay. She's been apologized to because I heard it. And then we went about our breakfast and... That was kind of it for that. Do you have anything to add, Ashley? No. That's a lot. But I, I was also going to say, before we move on with Ray, with you specifically, like I, I admire your courage to look back and reflect and say, hey, it wasn't my best moment. But I also want to say, like, you need to give yourself a lot of grace in this situation, both of you do, because you both were in the midst of this world. You were wanting to be a pastor. You were going to seminary. So you were trying your best to make your way through a situation that was already abusive. I applaud you for having the courage to say, hey, that wasn't my best moment. But then I also want to say, like, I applaud you for navigating this and both of you having courage to leave and, and to speak your mind. Because in that setting, when everything is upside down and confusing, it's hard to discern what is right and wrong, especially in 2018. So, yeah. and I also want to say, and I've heard your guys's podcast. I know this comes up just over and over again, but it seems like these Acts twenty nine churches just preach complementarianism as gospel, and the, our church was no exception mm -hmm. to that. And they were constantly preaching this idea as the wife is just being. They like to say equal, but it's not equal the way that it plays out. And so hearing that, but then also my Ashley is, is so strong-willed, and that's one of the things that attracted me to her to begin with. I love that. But then being told that's totally wrong. <laughs> so just trying to play that, and and that's one mm -hmm. of the main reasons I didn't share a lot of things with her always that, that Pastor B would say, because I was like, oh, I know how this is going to go. <laughs> and I thought it'd be better if I just didn't share it. Well, he's right. I would have confronted him if I would have known. Uh -huh. But instead, he like internalized that and then we fought all the time. I mean, it w wouldn't have just been your church. It would have been also your seminary would have been really like you were 
heavily immersed in that teaching. Yes, I was. At that point of your life, which is hard because it's something you're like, I want to pursue ministry and everyone around me is telling me if I don't pursue ministry in this way that I'm not being God honoring. And so it really does mess with your brain of like, I see my wife and these are all these characteristics that I love in her, but I'm being told they're sinful. So what do I do with that? Like, that's who she is. It's who I married. Is it like, that's just very confusing. So there is grace for that. And I'm excited for people to hear where you guys are at now at the end of this episode. But no, no, (laughs) no. All right, we'll go for it. I just have one thing. Why in the world do pastors spend time looking at other people's social media sites? What? It's so weird, right? It's so weird. I think it. Okay. Okay. Yes. Let me put on my former church staff hat. I do think social media. Well, no, not even that. Just me now. I freaking can see the red flags a mile away from these pastors on their social medias. We all can see like really, truly Mm -hmm. people are so bold on social media. Like you can really see what people care about and what like you get a good temp check on your congregation or a church's congregation. I mean, what between jobs when I was like, maybe I'll just work at a different church. I realized I didn't want to even continue in the interview process yeah. by like stalking through the tags of a church on Instagram and seeing like looking through the congregants pages. And I was like, oh, there's like yeah. a lot of Confederate flags here. Clearly my yeah. family will not be going here. <laughs> but like I had to. So I do think that there's weight to that. But what isn't okay is pastors saying I have the control over what you post like the the fact is is if you as a a pastor are discipling your church well then you're probably going to see the fruits of that on social media just a thought like maybe start discipling people we're we're yeah, getting into I the, mean, the problem was getting into the christian nationalism yeah. uh, debate too because yeah that that those are pastors not discipling <sighs> churches and the flock is off the off in la la land believing all those weird myths so that was part of the problem was that the associate pastor was posting things like that and the things that i was posting was like Christians, we got to be careful about what our priorities are, what we're saying, you know, what the influences we're reading from. Is it politics or is it Jesus? And so me calling him out even vaguely on social media, he took as such a like direct personal attack that it just could not be stood for. Yes. Right. In 2018, you became an intern, correct? Yes, that's correct. So I was starting my second year of being in seminary while in Ontario, Southern California. And part of that was I was going to start an internship, a practicum. I asked Pastor B to be my main mentor, which meant I was supposed to meet with him once a week. And he was supposed to give me different tasks to do at the church so that I could kind of do pastoral ministry. Also part of that, I was supposed to have a, a small team of people that I met with once a month that were supposed to give me guidance as well, that were people that I was supposed to be leading. Then I was also supposed to have a spiritual mentor who I was supposed to meet with at least once a month, but hopefully more than that, who was supposed to just be, how are you doing spiritually? 
it, it is a good program that the seminary sets up. I do believe that. But I had already been in the church for about a year at that point, and it seemed natural. It was a church plant, which is what I wanted to do. And so, yes, I did jump in with Pastor B being my main person. How did that relationship evolve with Pastor B? So he was, again, he had never been to seminary. He had never been to formal training. He also thought, because he read a lot of books, that he was better than people that went to seminary. Him, His brother, who his brother is still my best friend to this day, which is a very weird dynamic. But, I mean, we, we still talk all the time and FaceTime each other. But him and I were the two that were going to seminary. And he was just mean to his brother, making fun of him for going to seminary. He was a little bit nicer to me about it. But he would still make fun of seminary in front of me. So when he had to go to these trainings, because he had to go to a few trainings to learn how to be this mentor that, that the seminary expected of him. And he would post pictures. I mean, we had pictures of him like standing up against the wall, looking all cool and everything. Too cool for school, I guess. But it started with a pretty good relationship. We were meeting and, and of course, in Acts 29 church. I wasn't allowed to drink being in a Southern Baptist seminary, but being in Acts 29 church, it was all about beer, especially craft beers. So we would have our once a week meetings in a brewery <laughs> and I would drink water <laughs> while he would he would get a beer, which was fine. I didn't mind, but it was kind of a fun. I think that was kind of his way of sticking it to the man looking back and being, you know, that hipster Axe 29 yeah. guy with a bunch of tattoos. And his handlebar mustache. And his handlebar mm-hmm. mustache. Thank you, <laughs> Ashley. Yeah, it started off with pretty good meetings. Again, I, I wanted his approval so badly that I would kind of help his ego a little mm-hmm. bit. So I would ask him questions about theology that I kind of already knew the question, the answer to, but just so that he could explain it to me. And he would ask me about my classes and how they were going and even though he had never taken any of these classes or anything similar yeah that he would end up giving me his opinion which would he would end up talking longer about my classes (laughs) than i would well and why they were wrong and why they were wrong as the meetings went on he started to give me advice he definitely didn't let me preach which was fine and that was one of the things that i should have been doing but he wanted to protect his flock. so And I, I was respectful of that. As the meetings went on, he started to give me advice. And uh, a lot of his advice was not that great. It was, you need to watch the way you walk, Ray, because the way you walk is aggressive. And it makes me feel like you're going to attack me. And what? Like, okay. In I the world? Can, Are I you serious? I, can... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I guess I could walk slower. I don't know. <laughs> His other pastoral advice was you need to be careful with the way that you sit because the way you sit is aggressive and it makes me feel like you're going to reach across this table and punch me. I was like, all right, so you want me to sit farther back in my chair? I don't, I I guess that makes sense. What? Okay, so for our listeners, just so everybody knows, like, we do these with like video so we can see Ray talking right now and he does not come across I'm aggressive scary, aren't I? at all. I just want to- Yeah. <laughs> you do not like I am not in any sort of like anxious you don't space feel in danger. watching you talk right now. <laughs> no. You don't 
you do not come across in any aggressive no. way at all. So this that is, I mean, the reason we're all laughing is because it's just yeah. not even close to. There are people, many pastors I have sat in yeah. rooms with where I feel that way, where their eyes are all big and bugging out and they're like juking me while they're talking. Not you. Appreciate that. Not you. But the part of what he was going to let me do was lead one of the Bible studies or the gospel communities, as we called them at our church. And it started with me being like, hey, let's go through this book of the mm-hmm. Bible. I don't even remember at this point which one it was. And he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then he called me a few days later and he's like, so I was thinking about it. Instead of going through a book of the Bible, we should go through the Pilgrim's Progress. And I was like, I've never read that before, but okay. He's like, and I'll lead it. And I was like, okay, that's not really what I need to be doing. But Pastor B knows best. Again, I was a, I wanted to please him so badly. So I was like, yeah, I'll, let's go through that book and I'll learn from you and, and let's do this. And so he quickly took that away from me where he was leading. I was I was leading technically, I guess. But I mean, he was the one who was facilitating the conversations and and doing basically everything. We talked about other ministries I came up with. I think it was a care ministry of some sort. I don't again, I don't remember at this point what it was. And I presented this whole idea to him and he was like, yeah, that's great. But instead, you should do it for college students at the at the campus that's close. I was like, I I work full time, and those students are there during the day. I, I'm a second grade teacher. I can't just leave my job to meet these students. And so that kind of just fell through. But it was very much like, yeah, do it. But instead, don't do that and do what I want you to do instead. And something that I didn't feel like I had any calling towards at all. So it really wasn't that great of meetings. And also, again, sticking it to the man, he was supposed to be filling out a piece of paper online each each time that we met, kind of telling how the meetings went. And he never did that. And, and he knew that that affected my grade. And I would ask him, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll get to it. And just never did those. Why did he even agree to this if he didn't want to do it? I don't know. I think it probably had to do with keeping up this this facade of being yeah. a mentor. Uh, that's that's my best guess. What do you think, Ashley? Um, I mean, I think he liked the power that came with being in charge of your seminary education, even though he didn't have a seminary education. The way that looked for him was really good. And I would also like to talk about the spiritual mentor real quick if that's okay he was so right before pretty close before we moved to california uh my grandpa who was one of my biggest mentors of my life our daughter's actually named after him his name was oliver Mm -hmm. and our daughter's named olive because he was such a big influence on me and on ashley and he he passed away a a couple months before we moved to california and when we moved to california i was really looking for an older gentleman that could kind of step in and and what I called my California grandpa because I just really needed that and when I knew I needed to get a spiritual mentor I I went and found this one man who was at that time he was an elder candidate they were Mm -hmm. doing eldership training and before we left the church he had become an elder and I asked him to be my spiritual mentor 
And I was so thrilled when he said yes. Our meeting seemed to go really well. He told me at the very beginning that everything that I would say would be confidential. And Mm -hmm. so I laid my heart out to him. I shared with Mm -hmm. him just everything that was going on with my life because I, I treated him like a like my counselor which was kind of what the spiritual mentor was supposed to be anyways yeah (laughs) again acts 29 he wasn't trained in counseling he went to like a weekend seminar ed Mm -hmm. had a piece of paper to show for it but called himself like a a christian counselor Mm -hmm. ed Mm -hmm. i didn't know it at the time but i guess i should have pastor b would bring up things that i had said and i would always be like oh i wonder how he knows Well, it was because what was confidential wasn't confidential. He was sharing, Mm -hmm. my spiritual mentor, my California grandpa was sharing everything with Pastor B, which again, made everything worse. But during our meetings, during my meetings with Pastor B, as they progressed, I, I think when it really started to go downhill was I was taking an ethics class, which out of all my time in seminary, it's still my favorite class I took. If I ever go back for my PhD, it'll probably be in Christian ethics because I mm-hmm. loved it. And so he asked me how that class was going. And we had just been talking about abortion and mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood. So a very fun topic. And yeah. I shared my views on it at that point. He listened and then he told me how I was 100% wrong. And how he believes that my views were influenced by my wife and how that's not okay. At that moment, our meetings really started to go downhill. And essentially, our our views are just, we should have more grace for people than we do. That's it. We should just love people. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was the extent of our views is that we need to. Those are controversial views right there. Love and grace. I know. Empathy. I also just want to like step out of this for one second and point out abortion is a topic that should be influenced by your wife. (laughs) Considering it's about female health. She's a woman. (laughs) She would be the one that would be pregnant. Mm -hmm. So this, I mean, like we're not discussing, like that's not the topic of this podcast episode, but I just want to say like, it would make sense that you and your wife would be having that conversation and that her as a female and her experience as a female would influence how you viewed, like maybe we need to have more grace and compassion towards this conversation. (laughs) Do you think Pastor B was more mad at your stances, Ray, or the fact that he believed your wife, your wife, was behind your thoughts. One hundred percent, my wife. At this point, it was it was turning towards Whoa. hate. I believe, I truly believe that, and because after that, every single meeting that him and I would have, it would come back to Ashley in some way. There would be something that was wrong with her. This is whenever our marriage. It, it was the worst part of our marriage that we've had. Mm-hmm. Like, Ashley and I have a fantastic marriage. I feel very confident yeah. saying that. But not at that point. We were fighting yeah. all the time. And Ashley couldn't figure out why. Because she, we would talk about something. We'd be totally okay. And then two or three days later, which just happened to be right after Pastor B and I's meeting, I would come back with, I think you're wrong. and And you need to work on this. But I wouldn't tell her that it was because 
of our meeting with Pastor B because again, I'm trying to play both sides to make both of them happy. And we just fought and fought and fought. Do you want to talk more about that, Ashley, your side of it? Well, it was just startling to me because like we hadn't been married that long. We'd only we had just celebrated our first anniversary when we moved to California. Um, And that wasn't the person Mm -hmm. that I had married. And I was intentional about looking for somebody that was an equal and treated me like an equal and could have discourse and wasn't intimidated by the strength in my personality and not only wasn't intimidated by it but supported it and so when that all started to shift it was just really shocking for me and then we also had this like tiny baby daughter that I was not okay with being treated like this and I was trying to shield her from this like shift in the behavior in you and the people around me and so it was really scary because um, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, like, is this our lives? What have I condemned my little daughter to? And it was just like hard for me to recognize you. Ashley, you you didn't really have that many interactions with Pastor B, correct? No, we really neither one of us really did for a while because he was a part of another Acts 29 church's training program for pastors. And it's actually a church that you've talked about on this podcast more than once. And so um, that church set up a training program for other Acts 29 churches, and he attended that program and was gone. What city was that in? Uh, Well, it started in Kansas City, but they went different cities every time. Kansas City. They would go to Kansas City. So he was gone, I think, two two weeks a month for this training and I think one of those if I remember right one of those weeks would be in Kansas City and another week would be somewhere else but the main hub of it was the one in Kansas City so if we connect the dots it's the same church it was formed on the same church as Elizabeth and Lindsay's church Woo! which we all know how much of a hot mess that is so he's actually going to get trainings in the or partnering with like trainings Um, and so he was gone like Ray said two different weeks out of the month for like three to four days each time and his wife was had a really young daughter around the same age as ours and then she was also pregnant during this time so we kind of took it upon ourselves to be like hey why don't you come over and we'll cook you dinner and hang out with you and your daughter and just kind of like take care of you while he's gone so that you're not alone every time or you don't have like as much child care on your plate So we got really close to her and she ended up becoming like one of my best friends. And I feel like he was really threatened by that. I knew maybe too much about their relationship and his behavior towards her. So I I just became a threat and she didn't have a lot of other close friends and neither did I for that matter because we just moved there. Besides his family, his sisters were the only other ones that she was really in communication with. So we just kind of bonded. Yeah. Let me add to that. I want to say this real quick about, because Ashley said the only people that she was close to was his sisters. That's because he cut off all of the relationships. So he said that he didn't like her her brother, her family. So they didn't spend very much time with her side of the family he wouldn't even let her side of the family like kiss his children and so it it was just like this really weird and that's part of what ashley was talking about with the she knew way too much so ultimately right 
I think the relationship deteriorates enough, Ray, correct me if I'm wrong here, with you and Pastor B, where Pastor B actually has to, you guys ask for Pastor B to come over to your house in hopes of trying to salvage or address some of the issues that are growing between you, your family, and Pastor B. Is that fair? Yeah, and maybe Ashley remembers this. I don't remember the exact reason we had him come over, but yes, we were going to meet with him. I had also shared with him some stuff that happened with a past relationship of mine and some abuse that happened there. And it was, yeah, towards me. Towards you. Right. Not that you were an abuser. And it was very hard for me to share. At that point, I wasn't sharing it with anybody. I think the only person that I really shared it with was Ashley. And was just starting to come to terms with like, Mm -hmm. hey, this is a thing that actually happened. And it's not okay. I shared it with him because he was my pastor. And was really looking for somebody to come alongside me to kind of help me heal a little bit after i shared it he just said yeah i don't think that's abuse like what happened to you is you're you're a guy you should like that so yeah that's not abuse and i think the only reason you think that's abuse is because ashley's telling you it is because of her past experiences herself but yeah i don't i don't think that's abuse uh, fill in any blanks that I missed, Ashley. Yeah, that, I mean, that's everything I would have said. So, yeah, at that point, we I after I told Ashley this, it I guess it was one of the few times where I did share with her things that happened. And I... Can I, I say, I, you specifically called me and you were like, are you sitting down? Uh, you told me and I was like, I cannot bring our daughter back into this environment. I will not bring our daughter back into this environment. And at that point, had you started like disclosing the things that he had been saying about Ashley to her? I think at this point I had started. Yeah, to. it kind of all came out by then. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wanted to have this meeting quickly with him because we were also being taught that if if I was ang- if I had something against my brother, then I couldn't take communion, which again is like, all right. So I wanted to take communion. <laughs> so. We were like, all right, let's 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 meet with this guy. Right. So we brought him, we asked him to come over to our apartment, have a, a meeting with us. This was only the second time he had ever come to our house in the like over year and a half that we'd been going there. About the year and a half that we had been living there. Yeah. So at that point, we shared with him how hurtful that was. And I'm actually going to have Ashley take over here because she probably has, I think I've blocked out a lot of this meeting. I think she has a lot more vivid memory of it. Yeah, so we were talking through it and Ray said, well, you told me that this was not abuse. And he goes, no, I didn't. Ray said, no, this is word for word the sentence that you said. And he repeated it. And he goes, oh, well, okay, well, you know, I just think that Ashley's a really miserable person and I don't want you to only see the bad in the world and i was just kind of staring at him and quietly and then they started talking about something else and then ray wasn't like sharing his full feelings because he's very introverted so that's part of why i wanted to be there for the meeting was to hold on they started talking about something else well just so he just just like more problems insulted you. yeah and then the com- topic completely changed to something else yeah 
Okay, and what problems did you guys even have to talk about? Um, I think mostly the stuff with the associate pastor. And then I wanted to make sure that Ray didn't get steamrolled by Pastor B because he's more introverted. And so that's why I was wanting to be there. At one point I said, well, Ray, that's not what you told me, like the fullness of what you told me. What about this thing? Like trying to help him not get steamrolled by Pastor B. So I was just like trying to help. And then Ray goes, well, Pastor B, I just really feel like I'm just going to ask it. What's your problem with my wife? And he just kind of like leaned back in his chair and took a deep breath. So that it was, wait, Pastor B leaned back or Ray did? I was like, was Ray like, I better, I better sit back in my chair right now so I don't look aggressive while I ask this question. Pastor B leaned back and took a deep breath, almost like he got caught, like he got busted. Uh huh. And he took a deep breath and he just goes, Well, honestly, I just feel like constantly disrespected and belittled by you and demeaned and like you don't honor me as your pastor and you don't respect me. And I was just like, what? (laughs) I literally said, you have never said anything to me about any of that. Nothing. So how am I supposed to know? That's what I said. And he gave some example, like one time at a women's Bible study, I was like, hey, get out of here. What are you doing here? You know, but I was like trying to joke, but also it's a women's Bible study. So why are you trying to be in the room? You know? Yeah. It was just a control thing. And so like that was his main example of me being disrespectful to him. And were you still friends with his wife at this point? Yeah. Up until the last meeting we had with him, we were still really close. Okay. So he says that. What do you guys do in that moment? I literally said like, I need you to tell me and I even apologize I'm sorry I made you feel that way but I don't know that I'm making you feel that way if you don't tell me I'm making you feel that way like I was somehow Mm -hmm. responsible and that's another thing that needs to be stated to to women in these abusive church situations like you are not intimidating because they are intimidated it's not you're not responsible for their inability to speak to a woman (laughs) Mm-hmm. Again, this is probably the most embarrassing thing that I did. I wanted to leave that meeting with him being approved or approving of us. So I asked him that after the internship, if he would do marriage counseling for Ashley and I. And that's how I ended the meeting after he had just said all these horrible things to my wife. Well, and it, that wasn't even the worst of it. But at one point. He looks at us and goes, he looks at the two of us and he says, word for word, Ray, I don't think you will ever be in ministry as long as you are married to her. I don't see how it's possible. And then what did you say? Did you say anything, Ashley? Not much after that, because short, shortly after that is when Ray asked him for marriage counseling for us. Uh-huh. Yeah. At that point, I just, I don't know. I... I was like, he must be seeing something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. And he's been, he's known me now for uh, close to a year and a half, if not more. And so apparently he sees something in us that that I'm not. And I wanted desperately to be in ministry. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, this is what we have to do. That's his like exit is you asking for marriage counseling. Does he agree? Yeah. 
And where do you guys go from there? I'm so, well, first off, I'm so sorry. That's horrific. And plus, like, I look at it as like a shame standpoint too, Ray. Like you've, you both have mm-hmm. shared intimate things in your lives that have happened to you. And he's just twisting and turning those, uh, those abuses and hurts in his way to control both of you in your marriage. But the shame that he's putting, I mean, Ray is a guy, I feel this, like the shame that he's putting on you in that meeting makes me want to vomit, uh, honestly. And then, I mean, just the blatant verbal abuse that he's throwing Ashley's way, malicious things. It's just, it's really sickening. I mean, my heart breaks for both of you in so many ways. And I just don't know how, if a pastor is listening to this, this is the kind of stuff you have to talk about in your churches because this is going on. And if you're not addressing it, then you are part of the problem, period. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you. After that meeting, I had a night class. Mm -hmm. So I left. I called Ashley on my way to class and was like, hey, what do you think? And she's like, no, I want to know what you thought. And I was like, I think it went pretty well. (laughs) And that's about, yeah, I was so messed up. And so at that point, I hung up and... Wait, what did what did Ashley say? I don't think she said really anything. Yeah. I think she was just like, okay. Yeah, I didn't. I was still processing. So again, this is my best friend, which is Pastor B's brother. Yeah. Kind of came yeah. to the rescue, I think. And I think that's the next part of this story, if Ashley wants to share that part. Yeah. So I they lived in the same apartment complex as us. And so when Ray had okay. night classes, him and his uh, fiance at the time... Yeah, so when Ray had a night class, him and his fiance at the time would cook dinner for me too and invite me and Mm -hmm. our daughter over to hang out so I wasn't by myself um, with the baby. And so it was just happened to be the night that I traditionally went over there. So I went over um, and and they said, hey, how did your meeting go? Because they had known it was happening. We had kind of shared with them some of the problems we were having and They kind of affirmed that like, yeah, this is something they see too. And we weren't the only people in the church who had brought up those concerns. And so we felt like, okay, well, maybe we're not crazy, but also at the same time we were being gaslit. So we did feel a little crazy. So Ray said, oh, well, I feel like it went really well. When he got back from his class, he came straight over. And I said, I don't think that it did. And I repeated the the two things specifically that Pastor B had said about me, which was, you're a miserable person and you can't be in ministry as long as you stay married to her. They just kind of looked at me and Ray's best friend, I'll just call him M for the sake of this, uh, Ray's best friend M said, yeah, growing up, every time I had a problem with him and I tried to address it, I always left that feeling as if I was the one that had done something wrong and he was the victim in the situation. And that's exactly how I felt was like we tried to address a problem and then I was the one who became the problem instead. (sighs) So M tells you that and it's like for you, I'm guessing it was like, Ray, I don't know if this happened for you in that moment, but Ashley, was that like a 
oh, everything just clicked into place yeah. because of your training. Yeah, it was very much just like, we can't be here anymore. This isn't safe. And that happened. That happened for me, too. And that yeah. moment, I was like, all right, we can't be here. But I'm a, I wanted to fix the problem. And there was multiple problems here because I was an, in, I was an intern mm-hmm. with my school. So I couldn't just leave. Uh, if it was if it was just any other time, we could have just left and yeah. never went back, and that would have been fine. But we couldn't do that because my grade depended upon it. But I also knew that we couldn't stay at the church. So I was trying to be a problem solver, and I came up with the idea of I'll stay in the church until May, which is when my internship's over. You go someplace else with our daughter. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that, and we realized that's not healthy for us. Like, that's not a good option. I mean, I essentially told you I'm not doing that. She, you also told me you're not yeah. going back to the church. And I was like, I understand. You can't go back to the church. But we, we need to be in church together. And this won't be healthy for our marriage. Like, we see that now. He is literally trying to get us divorced at this point. So I mean, yeah. he said as much. And so we, I, this isn't going to work. So I ended up going and talking to not my professor, but my professor's boss, who was in charge of the whole internship program. And I laid this all out for him. I'm so thankful for this man, uh, this professor of mine, because he, he just said, yeah, Ray, we don't let people change positions internship wise. That's not our practice. But this is so bad that we need to get you out. So get out of there and we'll figure it out from there. Thank God for this godly, awesome man who took, who realized what was going on. So at that point, I knew we, we were going to get out immediately. We ended up in a weird way. We went to another church, their big prayer meeting before they launched a new, a new church plant, which also, because we were did, didn't know, it was another Acts 29 church, and the pastor was actually planting from, he was a pastor from the village church so he had a huge following even before that very first just prayer meeting there was like 200 people there and but we ended up meeting a another pastor who was kind of helping them he like helped set up and was letting them use his chairs and everything and ashley just immediately was drawn to this guy and i was like hey you know what if ashley is drawn to this man after everything that we've been through he must be a pretty good guy. <laughs> we ended up talking to him and his wife for about two hours pretty quickly after that first meeting that we had, the first time that we met him. And at the end of it, I was just like, hey, this is what's going on. Is there any way that you could take over this internship? I know it's a lot of extra work for you. He was like, I'd be happy to do that. No hesitation. No hesitation. And he's like, and I understand that you're hurting. Like, let's just, I'm here for you. Just an amazing, amazing man. I also knew, because I mean, I want I want to be a pastor, and I knew that people were going to leave my church someday whenever I'm a pastor. It's just something that happens. And I was in the mindset of, I don't want to just leave without talking to Pastor B. I don't think that's right, because I don't want people to do that to me. I want people to share with me what's going on. Now I'm like, ah, that was probably wrong. But needless to say. Well, we were told it was sinful to just leave a church, that we we were covenant members, and we've we've made this commitment before God to attend this specific church. And it was the same as a marriage, that we could not 
just leave a church. We- Did you have to tell him like, hey, I'm not an intern for you anymore? I was going to have to do that. Yeah. So that was another part of it. Like I need like I don't work here. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that over text or over email. I wanted to do it face to face, man to man. I felt like that was the best way to handle it. And so we were going to go meet at a coffee shop. I I just started with, hey, how's it going? Well, let me back up a second because I had shared with my spiritual mentor what was going on mm-hmm. and how we were going to be going to another church. But I hadn't told that to Pastor B yet. Because he was on sabbatical. Yeah, he had been on sabbatical over January, I think it was. So I was, I, this was the first time I was seeing him whenever he came back from his sabbatical. How far after the conversation you guys had were like, oh, all the lights just turned on. We can't be here anymore. How long after that? is this conversation probably he was on sabbatical for a month maybe five weeks because it was like right before he went on sabbatical and then we couldn't talk to him it was literally like a couple days before he went on sabbatical and we were told like don't reach out to him don't talk to him leave him alone (laughs) right so basically at christmas he told you guys to get a divorce and then went on sabbatical yeah basically yeah it was pretty close to that so we sat down And then first thing was, I just said, hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you in a long time. And I could tell immediately this was not going to be a good meeting because he just said, I, we're not doing that. And I was like, okay. And so I just said, for the sake of my wife and my marriage, I'm not going to be able to attend this church anymore. And it was just really short. And then he just said, Ray, I see a lot wrong with you, but I'm not going to share any of that because it won't do any good. Good luck with Jesus. He literally said, I hope you're able to have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that's what he said. I hope you're able to have a relationship with Jesus. Stood up and walked away. And of course, I was pretty hurt <laughs> by that. That that was that was hard. But part of me was like, it's over. Thank God, it's over. At that point, it started to hit me like, how did he know? that we were leaving. Did my spiritual mentor tell him? There's no other way that he would know. Well, it was either Sunday morning or Saturday night. It was it was during the weekend mm-hmm. that we had this meeting. And that was per his request. Like, I didn't say, let's meet right before church. Because, I mean, who would do that to somebody? <laughs> but that that was what he wanted to do. And we were told, because we still had friends in the church, that during that Sunday service, his sermon, I I don't know what the whole topic was, but he went on a big rant about how his job as a pastor is to protect his flock against wolves and went into some of the things that uh, we had specifically said. I don't think at that point he called us out by name, but quickly after that, within the next two or three days, I think it was, he sent a letter to everybody in the church except for us, because I guess we weren't there anymore. But everybody in the church, and do you want to tell what that letter said, Ashley? Yeah, it said um, that despite numerous attempts on the part of the pastors and many meetings in our home that we had decided we were going to leave the church and not be covenant members anymore, and we were no longer a part of the church family, and we refused to reconcile so it made it seem like we did something wrong. 
But reconcile what? Did they say? Yeah, no, just with They them. just said they refused to reconcile? Yeah, with us, with the pastors, yeah. Did they give their complaints against you in this letter? Nope. So there's a nebulous sin that you guys were in that you were refusing to reconcile against them as leaders. That's what that's what they wanted it to sound like, yeah. The problem with it is they talked about church discipline quite a bit as a church. So with that language that they spoke, everybody in the church knew we were supposed to be cut off. Because we were not the first people that this happened to, that they said, you can't talk to them anymore. Or like there were there were like bridal showers and pe- they were told you can't invite the people that don't go here anymore to the bridal shower, even though it's not a church event. Yeah. You can't go to their wedding because they're not a church member anymore. Yeah. They knew, okay, you don't talk to Ashley and Ray anymore. And they were all we had. We had no one else. Our We had relatives an hour-ish away and just two cousins and no one else. Like we had only the church. We didn't have friends in the community because we were living at student housing. So the student housing was like the school and the church. And that was it. That was all our connections to people. And I was a stay-at-home mom and Ray was like working for the seminary. So like we didn't have outside connections. Well, at that point, I was a second grade teacher. But yeah, at that point, I was like, I know, Ashley, that we're not going to this church anymore, but I just can't let go of my spiritual mentor. He's my grandpa. He's my California grandpa. And I and Ashley's like, I don't know if this is a good idea. But then he ended up sending me an email, which was weird because that's never how he communicated with me. And in this email, he's like, I want to continue this, Ray. But and then he went almost word for word for what Pastor B had said to Ashley and I already about our marriage. And he's like, for us to continue, I think I need to start meeting with you and Ashley because there's a lot wrong with your marriage. And you need therapy. And you need therapy. And I want to give you that therapy. Again, he's not a real therapist. He's not a real counselor. Mm -hmm. But that's what he said. And I, at that point, I was just so hurt. I think I'd been holding in all these emotions that I'd been feeling this whole time since that initial meeting with Pastor B. And when he sent me that yeah, email, you had I a just panic broke. Attack. And I, I had a panic attack. It was the first time I actually wept over this whole thing. And I just said, I don't know what to do. And Ashley's like, I'll take care of this. Is that okay? And I was like, do what you have to. Like, I just, I can't handle this. And she sent a message to him. And do you want to say kind of what you said in that? Well, it was important to me to, to note that this this person, his spiritual mentor, had spent a little bit of time with me in another group setting and a lot of time with Ray one-on-one, but he had never been with me and Ray at the same time for any period of time. So he had never even seen our marriage because we had never been together with him. He'd never had us over for dinner. He'd never spent any time with the two of us, really. Um, and really not even that much time with me. And so I kind of called him out. I was just like, here, I'm going to paraphrase, but I essentially was just like, bro, you're not a therapist. You cannot claim to offer counseling and therapy services. You have no training. You especially cannot tell people things are confidential when they 
aren't. You know, you've made this entire situation so much worse by sharing all of this information before we had the chance to do it ourselves. And you can't speak to my marriage because you don't know anything about my marriage. You've never spent any time with us together ever. You don't have any idea anything about our marriage. So I need you to evaluate why it is that Pastor B needs you to give him a full report on everything you and Ray have ever talked about and why it is that you are parroting everything that he said to you. Like, that's not healthy and it's not okay. And you've broken our trust and our confidentiality. And please don't talk to us again. Which all of that was entirely appropriate considering what you and your family had been through and the lies and manipulation and gaslighting that these men, these men were not safe men. They had no interest in helping. They only wanted to control the narrative and destroy the reputation of both of you and your marriage, which is even more disturbing. Yep. Wow. So you both leave, right? At that point, you're out of the church. Yes. But unfortunately, well, really, the pastor continues to follow both of you as you attend other churches, correct? Yes. I think the best way to describe it is stalking. It's what it feels like. So, yeah, to explain that, he, whenever we would go to other churches, he would contact those pastors and tell them about us. Even if we visited just one time. How did he know? We have no idea. We still can't figure it out. How we found out that he was really doing this was this pastor, this amazing, amazing man who we ended up going to his church for me to continue the internship. Pastor B texted him and said, hey, I want to get together with you. I'm another pastor in the Rancho Cucamonga area, and I want to talk about the gospel with you. And... He's, and I'll, I'll just call him Pastor D from now on. He knew what, what this was. He, he ended up asking us, like, are you okay with me having this meeting? And I was like, I trust you. Like, you've been so kind to us. I, I trust you. And, and honestly, he said he has problems with me. I want to know what they are because if they're real, I want to fix it. I want to get, I want to fix whatever it is, the sin that he sees in me. He was like, okay. So they ended up meeting at a coffee shop and Pastor B says to Pastor D that, hey, you probably know who I am and I need to talk about Ray and Ashley. And Pastor D just says, hey, man, you told me that you wanted to talk about the gospel. That's why I'm here. And so he made him talk about the gospel for like 30 minutes. <laughs> and just like they just talked about Jesus and about ministry because he's like, that's what you told me you want to talk about. And at the end of it, Pastor B says, yeah, but I do need to talk about Ray and Ashley. This, this amazing Pastor D, he just says, well, let me just make sure I understand this correctly. Ray already talked to you, correct? He went to you one on one. Pastor B's like, yes. And Ray brought things up and you just said that you're not going to share with him. Correct? And he's like, yeah, that's how it happened. He's like, then biblically, I can't sit here and listen to you talk about Ray or Ashley. And he's like, I'd be happy to sit with both of you 
if you need that, if you need someone to facilitate the meeting, and then you can you can share anything you want with Ray because Ray wants to hear what you have to say, but I'm not going to sit here and listen to it without him here. That's not biblical. And that's how their meeting ended. And to this day, Pastor B has never contacted me. What I think hurts the most is... I know that he has, he's supposed to have gone through um, healing, I guess, through different churches. And so, yeah, what happened with their church? Oh, that's a good point. So Ashley and I started to pray immediately, like, God, if this is a hurtful place, if it's not just us that's getting hurt. If it's hurting more people than it's helping. Please shut the door. And Pastor B who had all of his disciples in his church, the elders ended up removing him from being an elder and from some sin that they wouldn't tell the congregation about, which is very ironic since they were very good about sharing everybody else's sin. But when it came to his sin, they kept it behind closed doors and just said he's no longer a pastor. And then they shut the doors of the church about two weeks later. And so... After we left, the church only lasted for about three months more. Okay, it was it was being destroyed, and and Ashley and I at that point were just like, "Praise the Lord!" Like He answered our prayer. Yeah. Apparently, they were hurting more people than helping. Mm. He has contacted other people and apologized to them, but never to Ashley and I. I'm still waiting for that text or call. I'm so sorry. This is a heavy one. <clears throat> I mean, they're all heavy, but I mean, it's just such a short amount of time. Yeah. Both of you went through so much trauma and hurt and pain um, and and to have no resolution to it, especially knowing that there's someone out there that has caused that and has, and, and to your point, Ray, you've heard, you know, you've heard that he's gone through healing, but yet still can't recognize the hurt and pain that he caused both of you is I, I understand that and I feel that and I'm just so sorry for that um, that unresolved hurt um, that sits with you and stays with you and it's not it's not fair to either one of you at all and then my heart also breaks for the other people in that church that may have been hurt by leadership that we don't know their stories and what if they're still struggling and hurting and you know it's it's just sad on so many levels so many levels i do want to speak to that really quickly just one quick story so a couple months ago and this was what about i'm losing track of time but almost three years since this happened a couple months ago someone from church who from this this church that shut down they were both him and his wife pretty much shut Ashley and I out. I mean, definitely the wife did. Ashley had a meeting with her because she was really close and she was just like, I can't deal with this. Isn't that what she said, Ashley? She said, that doesn't sound like them. I can't believe that. And the husband was much nicer, but that's basically what he said to me as well. And we didn't talk to them for about three years. And he just recently contacted me because I had been posting some things on Instagram that I had been working through and talking about. And he was like, yeah, we were, we were really hurt. And he just flat out said, I'm sorry that we didn't believe you. And I'm sorry for the way that we treated you. I'm sorry that we shut you out. That was wrong. 
and yeah, they don't, they still to this day after this don't go to church. And so, yeah, there is a lot of hurting that's happened because of this. What's so hard for the people that um, call something out or are so isolated in these situations is the length of time it takes for other people to like become educated about these things and start to learn and like unpack and unravel what was happening. And, and almost every time an episode comes out, we will have a guest that at least gets like one comment from someone that's like, Oh my gosh, I didn't see it. Or you tried to say it and I couldn't see it at that time. And I'm so sorry. Um, And that's so redemptive and beautiful, right? But it's also, like, it's so heartbreaking and just painful for the time that it takes for those people to get there. There's not, like, an easy fix to that. That's just humanity and the way that relationship and brain work, the brains work. And, Ashley, that's why things like what you were even wanting to do in the very beginning of this story were educating people on how to see things that are not okay and how to um, have healthy boundaries. Like that kind of stuff is so important. So my hope is as people hear stories like your guys's, maybe it didn't happen for you. It definitely didn't happen for you guys. But maybe somebody else in a church somewhere is hearing this and like, oh my gosh, I think this is what's happening to our friends. And they've been trying to tell us and I couldn't see it. But now I can see it. And like, hopefully all of us, you guys using your voices to say, this is not okay. This is what happened to me. This is the effects of talking to people like this. This is the effects of manipulating people like this as a pastor. Hopefully we can be making strides forward collectively to be educated so that we can maybe shield some people from losing friendships like the ones that you guys had to lose because people are going to be able to spot it better hopefully yeah. and they it won't be that long period of time where people are having to take to understand what is happening but even with that it's like even knowing it and then like being in your own community and then the things that you're going to have to give up to believe that it's happening to somebody in your community it's heavy and it's a lot and I don't know at what point like the cost of our friends is worth speaking up (laughs) or worth like drawing a hard line boundary for like the collective church like when do we get to the end where we're willing to lose this community for the sake of goodness and justice and because that's what God has called us to. Yeah. Like, we can't continue to stay here any longer. Well, and another thing that these men just continually say is that, well, my mental health was bad. I was depressed. I had anxiety. My mental health was struggling. And that's the same thing that we heard his mental health was terrible he was you know on thinking about taking his own life he couldn't help it he was just so sick and he you know he blamed it on this training that they had essentially like pulled out all these deep feelings and thoughts and experiences and these men that went through this training and then they were just like okay well bye like because none of the people doing the training were were licensed counselors so they like 
dragged these guys through all their trauma in their past and then just like sent them back to their churches to spew it all over their congregation. My response to that, first of all, is that we cannot have unlicensed, untrained people trying to give people therapy because it makes them feel powerful and smart. It's got to stop. It has to end. And then second of all, mental health is a real thing and it it is so important, but it's not a free pass to treat people however you want. You having a struggle with your mental health does not give you permission to take it out on other people. You are still responsible for the way you treat people and your actions. Um, and if we had licensed counselors in these communities more frequently, then it, they would know that and it wouldn't be such a problem. They would have the coping tools necessary. Like, I don't think maybe we just shouldn't even have a church that doesn't have a licensed counselor on staff anymore. Maybe it's not a safe thing. Like, we need to have a trained professional. Yeah. Or we just need to know our our place as the church like hey we aren't a professional counselor so like it's okay for us to outsource that yeah like hey let me connect you to a counselor that's not on staff that's not paid for by us so you can say hard things about us and they can they're not affiliated with our church it's unbiased when they're giving counseling we're not paying their paycheck We'll help pay for your session. Like, we'll give you the funds to pay for your session or we'll cover that bill for you. I think so much of what you're talking about right now, Ashley, is a result of us having so much pride collectively as the church. Okay, you know what? No, I'm not going to pull a Mike Cosper rise and fall of Marcel. (laughs) It's the result of these men having so much pride and so much that they have to prove as pastors and elders that they have to be experts at everything. And one, I don't doubt for a second that we know these men are taking their own lives. That is true. Their mental health is struggling. And guess what? Their mental health is struggling before they even start pastoring these churches, but we're not screening them for that. So we're putting unstable men with unrealistic expectations on them. We need you to be perfect at everything who also have extreme narcissistic tendencies, especially in the X 29 network. That is part of like the things we champion when we're screening for pastors. Like what are we doing? (laughs) This is a recipe. We are actively probably definitely killing men by putting them in these positions. And we are definitely actively killing people who are losing their entire identity. I heard somebody, somebody described spiritual abuse as like murdering of the soul. Like, what are we doing, you guys? What are we doing? Like, this story should not exist. There's such a huge part of this that just goes back for generations. I mean, um, what was that book you read, Ray? God and John Wayne, or what was it? Yeah, Jesus and John Wayne. Yeah, so he was going through that, and I was really impacted by that. Um, But just like this manly, macho American culture that is nowhere in the Bible and nowhere in the gospel has taught these men from their dads and their grandparents that they cannot show emotions. And so they stuff those emotions down and bury them, and then they get confronted with particularly women who are 
very in tune with their emotions and very vocal about their in tunement with their emotions. And they're either so uncomfortable with that idea or they're so jealous of that ability or they're so um, threatened by that that they lash out. And it turns into this like unhealthy cycle of abuse and retribution to particularly these women because they have something or I ha- we have something that they don't, which is the ability to express our feelings. And it, it just goes back into that sexism, egalitarian versus movement is what holds that captive. It keeps it in prison so that they can't even evolve from that. Yeah. And I mean, I think, Ray, even throughout your story, you continually even said, I just stuffed it inside. So you were actually actively on that same trajectory of just shove it down, shove it down. Oh, that didn't feel right. Shove it down. This was dehumanizing towards my wife. Shove it down. Keep going. Keep pressing forward. I need to be in ministry. I'm I'm pursuing ministry. And if I express how this made me feel, or even the impact of these words, then that will actively threaten my ability to go into ministry. So I have to shove it down. And that right there is a big red flag. Not only like, and I think you would say that like in that moment that was showing you like you're at that moment, you weren't ready to be in ministry, right? Now you've actually done some work. You're like... (laughs) okay, I had to heal from that. And I had to see these things and I had to grow, which is good. I was just talking to a pastor friend the other day who said, there's a scene where someone says my sweet summer child, (laughs) because he's like, they've been in this. I've never watched Game of Thrones. I, I know I'm behind the times, but he says they were in this season of 12 years of summer. So these people just only knew happy times, like goodness, like, yay, everything's easy. And we have not learned how to be people that can endure a winter or a fall and learn from that. And I feel like something that gives me hope in your guys' story is that you have now had to endure a winter. You're not just children of the summer. You've gone through a winter and you've come out the other side and now you're in a season of spring. And like, what is growing from that? So I'd love to hear before we let you go, uh, two things. I want to know, where you're at today and kind of like ways that you have started to heal and the things that have helped you heal. And then I would love to hear what you want to say to other people um, that are maybe in a similar situation to you, because as wild as this story might sound to someone, it is not uncommon. Like these things are happening across the world within churches. For those, I mean, you guys are listening to a podcast right now. You can't see me, but I'm just, I'm smiling with so much pride after listening to Ashley talk right now. And if you ever listen, Pastor B or associate pastor or elder who did my spiritual training, I hope you hear what she said. I'm so happy that the theology that you tried to teach me didn't cause me to squash my intelligent, amazing wife. Because that's what you were trying to do, and it didn't work. Just listen to how she talks. I'm so, so proud of the woman I married. All right, go ahead, Ashley, of what you're going to say. Well, I was just going to say, like, they tried to get us to divorce, and our marriage is, like, better than it's ever been because 
my greatest fear was always that like, okay, I'm marrying this man who wants to be a pastor and I've got a lot of opinions about absolutely everything and I don't fit in this like Southern Baptist pastor's, pastor's wife mold. And so like what happens if the church tries to make him pick between me or the church and he he's going to leave me? Like that was always my greatest fear. And then it happened and the church tried to make him pick me or the church and he picked me. And so then like now, I don't know, like I'm just not afraid anymore. We have this security and the safety that we didn't have before we went through this. And he was a pastor for two years at a great church with Pastor D. He was the associate pastor to Pastor D. And it was a safe environment and we trusted him. We do trust him. We just don't live there anymore. But it was very healing to have that experience and know that like, okay, not all churches are like, havens of abuse (laughs) but we did decide like we don't want to be in ministry directly for a while ray's pursuing a job with the government and i opened a photography company and yeah i mean we're just really we're doing really well we're really happy and it is hard to still feel safe at church but our kids really love it like ashley said i went directly from this church that ended up shutting down to becoming an intern at at Pastor D's church and then immediately as soon as that internship ended starting the process of becoming a pastor of that church and then I became a pastor and we just moved from California to Kansas which has been amazing but I know from my perspective, and this is different than Ashley, it went, It was just go, 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 go. And I didn't really have time to feel my feelings, I guess. And it wasn't until I finished seminary and this last December that I started to really start to sit down with these feelings. And so since moving to Kansas, I've had a really hard time with going to church. Like all those emotions that I've been just holding on to for the sake of pushing forward and helping the congregation God had put with me, I guess are bubbling over. And so what I'm really praying through right now is I just, I'm very cynical towards the church. It's not the church that we're going to is great. There's I I can't really be like, this is wrong or anything. It's just, I don't know. I'm not happy while I'm there and I'm a lot happier. My time's just reading the Bible myself and or praying with Ashley and just those times are so much better and honestly if if it wasn't for my kids there's a good chance I would just duck out at the moment and not go to church but my kids love it so much yeah I agree with that I I feel like I would too and yeah the girls our girls are older and they and they so look forward to it and are learning so much and so I agree. I think I would probably want a break as well if it wasn't for them. Is there anything you guys would want to say to anybody listening that's in a similar situation to what you guys have walked? Mine would be listen to your emotions. You're taught, especially in these types of churches, it's your emotions are sinful a lot of times. It doesn't matter what they are. It's just the gospel to them to is you are horrible and you spend so much time talking about how horrible you are that you don't trust yourself at all 
and trust your emotions. If if you feel something, listen. I don't know. Logically, they these pastors just they present themselves as really smart. So you're not going to be able to trust your mind, but trust your heart. And if there's something that doesn't feel right, listen. And for me, I would just say like Acts 29, they just repeatedly say, well, we're preaching the gospel, the one true gospel, and we're the only ones doing it. And this is not the gospel. Condemnation, fear, avoidance, it's not the gospel. This this hate yourself so that you can love Jesus idea, nowhere in the Bible does it say that you need to hate yourself. In fact, it says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And how are you supposed to love your neighbor if you don't love yourself? So we... <laughs> We've got to turn away from this, like, we are the scum idea if we want to see improvement in our mental health and we want to see improvement in the way we treat other people because it's dangerous and it's not the gospel. And another thing that Acts 29 needs to realize is that they were, everybody keeps saying that that it's broken, that the system is broken and the churches are broken and We've got to fix it. But it's not broken. It was built on Mars Hill. It is functioning exactly the way that they intended it to. It is doing everything that they wanted it to in repetition because nothing has been changed to prevent what happened to Mars Hill from continuing to happen in other churches. They did not change the system. It's the same platform. It's doing everything they want it to do. So throw it out because it... It's working right. It's just not healthy. We've got to start with a healthy blueprint. Ray and Ashley survived malicious and abusive attacks against their marriage, their gifts, and who they are as people. All of this was done under the delusion that how they were being treated was godly and loving. The words spoken over them were meant to cut deeper and to take more of their personhood away. Ray and Ashley weren't seeking power or privilege. They just wanted to serve and love their church community well. But this wasn't good enough or even welcomed by church leaders. Somehow, Ray and Ashley made it through all of this, but it cost something. Ray is no longer in ministry and going to church is a struggle for both Ashley and Ray. But yet the love and desire to serve people, their community, to listen intently to others, and to love each other was not killed. It is very much alive and growing in their lives today. For me, Ashley's message at the end of our conversation was filled with so much wisdom. The type of church and church culture that produces the abuse that Ray and Ashley experienced is not accidental. It is allowed to grow and prosper, and it takes root in our communities, in our teachings, and in our beliefs. And until this rot is dealt with, it will continue to create more trauma, more pain, and more victims. For John Harris, I'm Jay Coyle, and this is the Bodies Behind the Bus podcast.